0: I'm Michael Mandel, author of the textbook, Economics, the Basics.
1: And I'm Sean Flynn, author of Economics for Dummies and the McConnell Principles of Economics textbook.
0: And we're here to talk a little bit about how the COVID-19 virus is affecting supply and demand schedules across the economy. So Sean, okay, oil,
1: what do we know about oil? Well, the price actually went negative one day because there was so little demand for it relative to supply. Never happened before in world history.
0: The problem with that is that what they were doing is that they were pumping lots of oil because the oil supply schedule stayed the same, but there was no demand because the airplanes weren't flying, because people weren't driving their cars, and and the buses weren't going in a lot of places, so that there was no demand for gasoline and fuel oil, Uh, and the demand curve shifted to the left. And as you said, the price fell, and they had no place to put the oil. So they actually, the people who owned the oil had to pay in order to get people to take it off their hands. And this happened very fast.
1: Yeah, within a matter of days of the lockdowns being announced. Um, but if people are home and not driving, they don't need to go fill up their tank full of gasoline, right? So the, all, the, all that change in behavior immediately flowed through to the suppliers
0: now there were some there were some markets with a supply curve shifted because of the virus and one of those was was food and especially uh, especially the meat industry had a lot of uh, infections covid infections in in meat packing plants across the country and, and and all of a sudden the supply curve for pork and for various cuts of meat shifted to the shifted to the left okay and then What happened
1: then? Well, what happened was interesting because, you know, in a normal supply and demand setup, if the demand curve stays the same for beef or whatnot, and then the supply curve shifts left, you'll get a higher equilibrium price. But the market will still clear at that new higher price. Quantity demanded will equal quantity supplied. But um, supermarkets don't want to be perceived as price gougers. So in this case, the supply shifted to the left. There was upward pressure on the prices. But um, they mostly kept prices the same, which now means you're in a situation of a shortage, right? At the same old price, the normal price, um, there's less supply, but the same old demand. And all of a sudden you have a shortage. So that's why you ended up seeing empty shelves in a lot of places in the country in the meat section.
0: The other problem that happened in the food industry is that with restaurants closed, the, the parts and people at home, apparently restaurants consume different types of food, than homes do okay for example restaurants and and institutions consume small bananas rather than big bananas all right and so there was uh, there was actually a mismatch not there wasn't enough food being supplied but it was there was the wrong kind of food and now let's actually turn to a very difficult subject in terms of supply and demand curves which is college okay so sean why don't you talk a little bit about how covid is affecting the supply and demand curves for college.
1: Well that's interesting because as you know some of our listeners may know and maybe thinking themselves they're thinking maybe well next year I'll just take a year off I'll do a gap year because if you know I'm taking online classes I don't like them why should I bother and so the demand for education may fall off here I I, I wouldn't say precipitously but substantially Um, On the other hand, the schools, all in rapid order this spring, managed to um, convert to online teaching. So in some sense, it looks like the supply curve to me is about where it used to be, although it's now online classes instead of in person. And then the demand may be falling off.
0: There's actually some reasons why the demand might go up, because historically in recessions, people divert that, you know, rather than going out into the job market, they actually stay in school longer. They go to graduate school. Rather than, going, rather than looking for a job. And so actually, if we, if we go back to the Great Depression, what happened in the Great Depression was that uh, there was a great surge in the number of people that went to high school because mm. they were avoiding going out into the, into the very bad job market then. In this case, it's not high school. It's not even college. It may actually be graduate school. So what about, what about taking out student loans? Okay. How, does, how does the uncertainty that comes with COVID affect the, the
1: student loans? Well, that's a form of demand. You know, the loans pay for the college tuition, um, and it looks like, to me at least, they're going to drop off. Um, and that's because a young person who's asking themselves, "Hey, do I want to, you know, not earn and earn any income for four years going to college and take on a bunch of debt? Um, the only way that's going to work out for me is if the economy is good in the future, and uh, I can do well and pay back my loans." Um, in a lot of people's minds, I think the future looks permanently cloudy. I don't think it should. And, you know, I'm an optimist about the future of the economy here and bouncing back quickly. But um, to the extent that there are a lot of students out there and their families who think, wow, there could be not just COVID now, but what if there's another virus next year? What what about future pandemics? It could put a real damper on people's willingness to make that long-term investment in their own human capital, um and yeah so it could it could decrease the demand for college
0: but if you had to tell them at this point if you had to sort of give advice to a young college student about whether or not to stay in school what would you tell them
1: oh definitely stay in school i mean you can look back at the generation that got through the great depression they all went on to great lives in the 50s and 60s um and i personally believe this recession will be rather short lived um you know take two, three years to get back. In 10 years, we probably will barely remember this. And so those jobs will be waiting for young people. The economy will be booming. We've got all this bioinformatics and biotech and nanotechnology. Um, so there's going to be vast new opportunities out there. And students can position themselves right now um, to take advantage of those by putting in the time and effort right now to complete their degrees.
0: And an and optimistic message for the people that are listening. Thanks very much, Sean.
1: You're welcome, Mike. Thank you.
0: In this podcast, we looked at how COVID-19 affected demand and supply schedules across the economy. First, we talked about how the demand schedule for oil shifted to the left because of the pandemic. The result was a sharp decline in oil prices. In the case of food, it was the supply curve that shifted to the left as the virus disrupted meatpacking plants. But because supermarkets didn't raise prices very much, we saw a gap between the quantity demanded and the quantity supplied. The result with empty shells and temporary shortages. Then we dived into the impact of COVID-19 on the supply and demand curves for college. On the supply side, most higher education institutions were able to pivot to online learning. On the demand side, we talked about two opposing forces. On the one hand, historically, students are more likely to stay in school during recessions since jobs are harder to find. On the other hand, the riskier economy makes it less attractive to borrow money to pay for education. We ended with Sean pointing out that the long-term prospects for college graduates are still good. A final note of optimism. Thanks very much.